This is Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. Last week, I began this conversation about the Word, the Logos, dwelling among us. We talked about what that really meant and and who the Word really was. Today, I want to continue that conversation, and I want us to walk through this. Uh, We're walking through the first chapter of John, if you will, and kind of walking through different elements of Emmanuel, God with us through this process. And so today, we're looking at verses Uh, 14 through 18, and I want to read this to you. It says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him and cried out, This was He of whom I said, He comes after me who ranks before me, because He was before me. Verse 16 says, For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. There's a couple different parts of this that I want to break down to you, but our whole idea today is the gift of glory. The gift of glory. God gave us the gift of glory on that very first Christmas morning. There's a phrase there in verse 14 that's kind of the place that this whole theme comes from, among us. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The New Living Translation said He made His home among us. Jesus, the Word, God Himself, came to earth to bridge the gap between humanity and the Father. Last week, in the process of establishing who Jesus really is, who the Word is, we said that the Word is Jesus. Jesus was in the beginning, an eternity ago. If you remember, I said Jesus was, wasing. If you kind of fall into that original language with me, we can't even communicate it in English. But He was, meaning He never had a beginning. The verb never had a beginning. He always has been. The Word has always been a relationship, in a relationship with the Father. But yet at the same time, He also has always been God and will be God for eternity. It was through the Word that God the Father created everything. Jesus is full of life, given to Him by the Father, and He shines light into all the darkness, and darkness cannot overcome Him. I'm thankful for the Word. Amen? I'm thankful that he is creator, he's victorious, he's eternal, he's my savior, he's my peace, he's my deliverance. I'm thankful for the word. There's something interesting between verse 1 and verse 14. If you look at verse 1, it says, in the beginning was the word. And then there's a shift in verse 14 where it says, the word became flesh. 
There was a transition. There was a point that, that Jesus took on something new. He became something that he wasn't in the past. Jesus was, the word always was from the beginning. The word was with God. The word was God, but he became flesh. There was a shifting point. So we kind of dive into the word dwelt among us, and I, I, it's interesting. Here we go again uh, with some of the technical side. We have to put that in the best word that we know how. The original Greek word there is skeneo, skeneo, and that literally means to pitch a tent or to tabernacle among. Now, why? what does that matter? Well, the New Living Translation said he made his home among us. The the English Standard Version that I just read to you says he dwelt among us. But God literally made a tabernacle. He tabernacled himself. He brought himself down. God literally placed himself in the midst of his people. He pitched a tent among us. He came and camped among us. He dwelt among us. The fact that God tabernacled among his people in the flesh was a gift. That was truly the first gift of Christmas. It was the gift that would change the course of history. Our, our calendars, the time stamp of eternity, was changed at that point because God himself came and dwelt among us in the flesh. In the book of Exodus, the glory of God tabernacled or came and camped among the people of Israel in the form of a cloud by day and fire by night. Then the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Now here in John, he's saying that the word becoming flesh and living among us is like God tabernacling among the tribes of Israel, or to put it in other words, the presence of God was localized in Jesus, the incarnate word, word in flesh form. And as the glory of God was once present in the tabernacle, so it was now present in the word made flesh. And what's even more amazing is the fact that Jesus gave us his spirit to dwell in us, the temple of the Lord. He sent his spirit to tabernacle inside of you and I. So we have in the beginning, God sending, uh, and not the beginning, but in the, the book of Exodus, the time of old, we've got God sending his spirit. He's got God, we've got God sending his glory, his spirit to encamp among the people of Israel in the tabernacle, later to, to be permanent in the temple. And then we got Jesus coming to earth, and, and Jesus is the temple, and God's full glory is in Jesus himself. And then after the resurrection of Jesus on the day of Pentecost, we have Jesus pouring out his spirit on people, now filling the temple, the flesh of all Christians, with the spirit of God. Exodus chapter 40, verses 34 and 35 tells us that the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Well, now we've got a place where Moses himself can't even enter because the glory of the Lord resides there. And then John compares that and says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. We have seen his glory. John is literally an eyewitness account is the way he's wording this in his gospel. He said, I literally have seen the glory of God through Jesus Christ himself. 
But this is the same glory that Moses could not enter into the tabernacle because God's glory was filling the temple. Moses even asked in uh, Exodus chapter 33, verse 18, Moses said, Lord, please show me your glory. And then in verses 20 through uh, 23, God said to Moses, you cannot see my face for man shall not see me and live. The Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I'll put you in a cleft of a rock and I'll cover you with my hand until I pass by. Then I'll take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. The glory of the Lord that John saw, he said, we have seen. The, the older translation said, we beheld his glory. We've seen his glorious presence is the way the New Living Translation puts it. But yet Moses couldn't look on the face of God. Isaiah saw it like this in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 2 and 3. He said, above him, above the Lord, stood, stood seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet, with two he flew. And he, one another, they called out saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The angels could not look upon the glory of the Lord as they circled around him singing, Holy, holy, holy. They declared that God's glory had filled the whole earth, but they could not look themselves on the glory of the Lord as they sang those praises. Yet, he said again in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 5, The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And Isaiah prophesied that the glory of the Lord would be revealed, and John said the word became flesh, and through him the glory of God was revealed. John said we look upon his glory through Jesus. God chose to send Jesus, the word himself, the glory of the Father to earth to dwell among us so that we can see the glory of God. It was the gift of glory. God's glory filled the whole earth through Jesus Christ and now resides in us through the Holy Spirit. What does this gift bring to earth? What does glory bring to earth? Moses, after asking to see the glory of the Lord, he chiseled two stone tablets to replace the original ones that had been broken God had written the Ten Commandments on, and he's there on the mountain with God. And in Exodus chapter 34, verses 5 and 6, it says, The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a merciful, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression of sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children, and the children's children, to the third and fourth generation. There's something there that you need to see that also John repeats. He said in verse 6, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a, merciful, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger. And then he said, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Steadfast love and faithfulness. In the Greek version of the Old Testament is the exact same words used by John when he says, We beheld his glory, we saw the glory of the Lord, full of grace and truth. Moses saw the Lord. He declared himself to Moses, I'm full of steadfast love and faithfulness. Grace and truth are, are there. They're present. They abound. 
He said, the word became flesh and flesh dwelt among us and we have seen the glory. Glory is of the only son of the father, full of grace and truth. We have seen his glory. The New Living Translation says, unfailing love and faithfulness. The word that's translated there for grace or unfailing love is only found three times in the Gospel of John. And all of them are uh, descriptions of the word become flesh. John literally describes Jesus as grace. He literally is describing Jesus himself as grace. The word used there that John uses for truth or faithfulness has the root meaning of reliability. He said our God is reliable. He will never fail. He will never let us down. I don't know about you, but we can't depend on a whole lot in life. But I'm thankful that I can depend on Jesus. Amen? John said, I've seen the glory of the Lord. And the glory of the Lord is grace and truth. God in the flesh brings to earth grace and truth. God's nature of unfailing love and faithfulness was among humanity in the form of Jesus. And then Jesus gives us the, us the gift of his spirit, that spirit that is full of grace and truth. And then in this last part of the conversation, really beginning in verse 16, John says, For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Verse 17, For the law was given through Moses, Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. From his fullness, we have all received. The New Living Translation says, from his abundance. From his completion. From the fullness of who the, the fullness of God, God is perfection, right? And if God is fullness, that means there is no empty space in God, right? So he didn't give out of his fullness to get anything back because he didn't need anything back. He's already full. He is fullness. But yet out of his fullness, he gives us grace upon grace. Paul said in Colossians 1, chapter, 5, uh, chapter 1, verses 15 through 19, the New Living Translation reads like this. It says, Christ is the visible image of, an, of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we cannot see and the things we can't see, the things we can and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else. He holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is the body, and he is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead, so he is first in everything. And then he says in verse 19, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. So if John says that now the word has become flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, glory of the Father full of grace and truth, and then he says out of the fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Jesus is the fullness of of God. He said, for in God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. God, the fullness, full capacity, is now living through Christ and through Jesus, we've received grace upon grace. The gift of glory was the greatest gift God could ever give. 
Through the gift of glory, God gave us grace and truth and grace upon grace. One gracious blessing after another, the way the New Living Translation reads. There are several different readings of how that could actually be translated. One would be accumulation like the New Living Translation, grace uh, one gracious blessing after another. If I've got one blessing, God gives me another blessing, and he gives me another blessing. They keep piling up. And then you've got uh, the one there in the English Standard Version where it would be more like, um, it would be that of a form of replacement, grace instead of grace, grace upon grace. Regardless of how you want to read it, the point is grace is endless. Because out of the fullness of God, as he gives grace, the fullness of God never drops. It's not like your gas tank. Whenever you burn gas, it's going to drop down. Instead, the fullness of God, he's pouring out grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. And that grace meter never falls. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that God's grace tank doesn't ever go empty. I'd have been out of grace a long time ago. But out of the fullness, he pours out grace upon grace upon grace. And that flows into verse 17 where he says, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And you have to get all into the backstory of the law to understand that the law really gave the people grace. It gave them a way to live when God gave the commandments, when he gave the covenant between him and his people. It was a form of grace. It was a form of teaching them how to live. It was a form of, hey, you live by these standards, you're going to have a better life. It was grace. It was a grace, a law that could not be lived under, though when Jesus came to complete, to fulfill the law, he replaced grace of the law with grace of Jesus. Grace instead of or upon grace. God gave his people of old grace the law of Moses. And then it was replaced with the grace of Jesus. And then verse 18 gets a little wordy, especially in the English Standard Version, the, the more literal translations, but the New Living Translation says, no one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is God himself is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. God literally gave us the gift of glory through Jesus Christ. So what is glory? What? It's the presence of God. The New Living Translation typically translates that. In most of the readings I've read today, it would say he gave us his glorious presence. We were able to know God through Jesus. The greatest gift that could ever have been given was God giving us His Son, the glory of the Father. It was through Jesus that God revealed Himself to us. We were allowed to witness the true character of God, grace and truth. 
Jesus has revealed the heart of God to all humanity by the gift of glory. For me, that's a blessing. God didn't have to do that. He would not allow Moses to see his glory. All he could see was the back of God. He said, God, show me your glory. Let me see your presence. Let me see you. He said, no, you go hide in the rock. I'm going to cover you up. I'm going to put you there in the, in the hole, in the crevice. Put my hand over it. And when I'm already passed by, you can look at me on the back. But yet, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. You say, He's not here today. No, Jesus is not walking the earth today. But Jesus then gave us His Spirit, which still dwells among us. It dwells within us. And so if the glory of God is full of grace and truth, shouldn't our life be a life full of grace and truth? Shouldn't it be that our life is not only absorbing unfailing love and steadfastness and faithfulness, but instead our life also is producing steadfast love and faithfulness? If the glory of the Lord resides inside of me, then the glory of the Lord must also expel out of me. Right? So maybe this Christmas we can appreciate the greatest gift of all being the gift of glory, the gift of the presence of God, the gift of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. But maybe the greatest gift we could give to somebody is the gift of glory, is the gift of God's presence. If God can reveal himself through Jesus, then why can't Jesus reveal himself through us? The gift of glory. Grace upon grace from the fullness of God. For some people, giving grace is not easy. For some people, second chances are few and far between. You met those people? You got one shot and you're done? If God's grace meter doesn't drop whenever I need some of that grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. If his grace meter is not dropping, why can't I give the gift of grace? Now let's be practical. Could you say, well, I'm gracious. Yes, I think I am too. And I was just convicted in the moment. If you've been in a restaurant lately, you realize that they have hardly nobody to work. Right? You're going to wait to be seated. You're going to wait to give your order. You're going to wait to get your food. And out of my mouth last night, I said, I'm thankful that they're just working. And then poor girl starts bringing food, and there was nothing in my order that was correct. And I didn't say anything to her. I did give her grace. But if I'm truthful, and my Art and maybe what came out of my mouth at the table was not grace upon grace. The greatest gift that God's ever given you and me is the gift of His glorious presence in our life. Him dwelling among us and out of the fullness comes grace upon grace, unfailing love and faithfulness. 
maybe this Christmas, maybe through these next, you've got uh, three weeks in case you didn't know and you've not started your Christmas shopping. Maybe over these next few weeks, we can give the gift of glory to the people around us. I recognize what time it is. I recognize that I did not present you some long, elaborate message today. But I truly believe that the gift of glory is the greatest message that ever could be communicated. Not Mitchell's sermon, but the true gift and the message of God's grace to all humanity. And God's command to us is to go make disciples, to spread the gospel to all the world. I believe we do that by following the heart of God that was given to us through Jesus with unfailing love, faithfulness, as we pour out grace upon grace. Father, Lord, my message today was not a message that was anything profound. God, but the message of your gospel is one that's changed all history and, and all eternity. Lord, the gift that you've given us in your son Jesus, I can't imagine what it must have been like for John to, to literally be able to say, we saw, we beheld his glory. By literally being an eyewitness of Jesus in the flesh, I can't imagine. Father, but I'm thankful that you allowed these men to do that because I'm thankful that they can stand they, that we can stand back and read their words some thousands of years later. Father, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for your son Jesus. Lord, I recognize today that the greatest gift that could ever be given to any person is the gift of your presence. Is the gift of your son in our life. It's through your glory that through Jesus Christ that we can receive salvation. We can receive deliverance. Lord, today if there's any person in the room that don't know you, maybe they've not received that gift of glory, maybe they don't have your presence in their life, today can be the day that they meet you and that can all change. Lord, I pray that if there's one in the room, God, that maybe they're struggling, maybe they're that relationship is struggling. Maybe that your presence is not truly evident in their life. Maybe it's never been. Maybe it's lost. Maybe they've walked away from you. God, it's time for them to come back. Lord, I pray that you would touch them today. And before they leave here, they would speak with somebody that would be able to introduce them to you. Lord, I believe that all of us here today could give a little more glory. Could put out a little more unfailing love and faithfulness. We could be a little more reliable. We could be a little more gracious. We could take your example and pour out grace upon grace upon grace. We could replace the law. Not the law of God, but maybe the law of what we think would be right 
and replace that with grace today. Father, I pray that you would move within each one of us. Holy Spirit, convict our hearts. We need the gift of glory today. We need it, Father, but so does the rest of the world. And I pray, God, that as we receive those blessings, we receive that gift of glory, we understand the fullness of what that entails, the fullness of who you are in our life. God, as we receive that today, God, I pray that in the same way we receive it, we begin to give it back out. Christmas is all about you, Jesus. And the greatest thing we could ever do is gift you to somebody else. Maybe it's not a message that would ever be preached. Maybe it's never even a word of, of, of Scripture. Maybe it's never a word about salvation. Maybe it is simply in the form of giving grace to somebody that might not deserve grace. That's sure enough what you did for me. I'm thankful for that, Lord. Father, I pray that throughout this season, as we continue this, this the most the wonderful time of the year, Lord, God, I pray that throughout this season we would, at the forefront of our minds, not leave Christ out of this season. But we would understand that you gave us the greatest gift ever on the very first Christmas. And now it's our job to re-gift the glory of God. I thank you, Lord, for this time together. I thank you for the day today. Lord, this, this, your presence, your glory in the room today. Father, I thank you for it. God, we've got some that are connected to this family that are sick, that are struggling, God. Those that uh, have, have actual physical issues going on, God, physical ailments. God, there are some that have got some mental uh, and emotional struggles they're battling through. Lord, there's spiritual issues that are represented, God. There's financial breakthroughs that are needed. Father, I pray over the needs of this church today, your steadfast, unfailing love and faithfulness, God. I pray that it will be poured out on us in the name of Jesus. We believe it will be. Because that's who you are. God, give us grace today. Lord, I pray blessings on your people. I pray that you would bless them, that you'd keep them, God. Let your face shine on them. Give them grace and peace in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.